0: Oh dear, complicated world we live in, eh? I did feel actually, even though you're seated, you can stay there seated, I feel like we should be praying for the scenario in Israel. Um, One thing I'm very conscious of coming home here today, to Australia this week, is that we are physically a very long way away from these war situations at the moment. And that disconnection is... Um, good, for one thing, we feel a little safer here than we might if we were living in Bulgaria, which uh, Bulgaria is a, where we started as ago last week. It's only a five-hour drive to Istanbul, and it's probably another five or six-hour drive down through Lebanon, um, if you could get there, um, into the theatre of complexity that it is. Um, and lots of Christians are posting on the social media, let's pray for Israel, pray for Israel, I'm right there with them. But we need to pray for Palestine, The Palestinians. I'm not talking about the politics of the state of either or. I'm talking about the people. Little kids. Little kids born in the Gaza Strip didn't choose to get born in the Gaza Strip. They're kids. We need to pray for them. We need for the power of hatred to be broken. We need for the militant um, extremists that are running that part of the world at the moment. um, With millions of people who are directly connected to that activity, but maybe completely not submitting willingly to it and so I just want you to encourage you to pray not just for the Israelites that in the Israelis that were attacked but the fact that the issue is so much more complicated than that um, and in the middle of all that there are innocent people who will lose and have lost their lives and it's a disgusting a totally disgusting highly disturbing set of circumstances so all we can do from this far is pray um, you might feel called nudged by the Holy Spirit if you 've got some skill set to go over and be practically involved on the ground, helping people who are going to become refugees or forever changed in their life because of that, and it 's not the only place, obviously the Ukraines is complicated, but there are filthy parts of planet Earth that we don 't hear about, where as much depravity is at work every day. And so Lord we just come into your presence. We are grateful, Lord, we live in a nation. Even though we've had a pretty tricky couple of months with divisive conversations about the voice. Lord, and we voted as a nation yesterday. Lord, and there's going to be ongoing conversations. It's so easy to keep division happening. But Lord, we pray for unity. Father, we pray that as the house of God, as the people of God around the world, wherever we are, whatever nation, whatever denomination, whatever it is, people who are Christ followers, would find you empowering us, Lord, afresh with the Holy Spirit to bring a message of hope, to bring a message of unity, to bring a message of community. Lord, we pray for the people in Israel that have been affected already, for the terrible things that have happened there, Lord, but we know there are terrible things happening on the other side of the fence in the Gaza Strip at the moment, Lord, where innocent people are fearing for their lives, fearing fearing for the the ongoing life of their children lord we just pray that your love and your mercy and your compassion would break out over that whole complex situation lord we don't know what else to do but help us lord to pray and to continue to pray in the days ahead in jesus name amen well <clears throat> well that all said um i want to talk to you this morning about building community as part of our theme for the two months or three months, September, October, November, and I'm talking to you this morning about one of the most difficult, complex parts of building community, and that is in the arena of serving. And as I thought about this message, I thought, it's, it's pretty complex. Really easy, to, the action of serving, that's not complex. We can just do it. But the mindset in each one of us when we serve that's the complex bit. Um, before I go there, however, I've got my little bit of rope up here for a reason. When when we uh, went to Europe, the week before that, I preached down at Henley Beach. A message from Philippians chapter 3, I think it was, about, um, and Paul's determination to... Pull away from the past, forgetting what's behind, straining toward what lies ahead. Did a message on pushing and pulling and I needed the rope to tie myself up and get a couple of young fellas to help me. And as we're sitting in the, in the plane flying to Europe, I was thinking that's that message and this piece of rope went with me to Europe, preached that message in Europe. But I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you've got a piece of rope, I want you to use it to explain something else while you're there. Um, and so, um, I actually need a volunteer, Jesse, you need to come up here. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we do volunteers at Chris Kindermark, actually, right? <laughs> yeah, come on. Okay, Jesse, just, just relax, mate, it's not going to be too painful, but we're just going to put this around here. Oh, what's that Yeah, hoodie there? Lily really nearly saved your life. Put your hands out in front of you like this, that's all right. All righty, I didn't, my rope's a bit short, but okay, just... Sign that up like that. All righty. Now, I feel like God said to me this. Now, you are my slave. (laughs) Which means you do what I do, what I tell you to do, when I tell you to do it. You don't get any freedom of choice. You just do what I tell you to do and you go where I tell you to go. Slaves got no rights. They've got no anything except the requirement to be obedient. And the Bible tells us that we're all... Say this, I want to say say all. all. Everyone in this room either is or has been a slave to sin. You're a slave. You go where sin actually leads you. And sin always leads us away from God. So Jesse's a slave. And if you've given your heart to Jesus or invited Jesus into your life you're no longer a slave to sin you're actually living according to the Spirit but if you haven't you're still a slave you think well what difference does that make it just means oh, a simple thing to explain I hope this helps you to explain to people who might be asking you questions or said things like this to you I'm a good person why wouldn't God let me into heaven anyone ever said anything like that to you before you know good, good people There's lots of good people in the world. Do you know what? Slaves aren't bad people. Slaves can be really good people. They can be generous. They can be loving. They can be kind. They can be all sorts of things. But that doesn't mean they're not a slave. And when you're born as a person, if you're parents of slaves, guess what you are? A A slave. So we're born into slavery. It's really easy to understand this when you see that it demonstrates we're born into slavery not because we're bad it's just because we're slaves and there's only one person people can go oh but if I if I really am helpful if I serve if I give my life in helping people around the world I'm a really neat person won't that count for anything no well actually it will because the work will do some good for somebody but will that stop me being a slave no he's still going to be a slave as long as there's knots around him and I got a hold of it because I'm representing sin in his life sin's got a hold of him and God decided there's only one person and one blood type it's the blood of Jesus Christ it lived in the body of Jesus Christ and that body was murdered on a cross 2,000 years ago and there's not one other pair of hands in the universe that can rock up to a person like Jesse and undo this knot. Not over faith, no good works, no money. If Jesse was a multi-billionaire with more money than Bill Gates and he said to me, can I pay for this knot to be undone? It's like, nope. What about if I've got an army and thousands of people? Maybe I've, I'm the authoritarian leader of a billion people. Can that undo that knot? No, you're still a slave to sin. Jesse's going to be a slave to sin until, like you and me, if you're a Christian here this morning, some point in your life you relented. You came humbly before Jesus and asked him this question, would you untie these knots? If you come to him, and we'll have already come to him, and asking that question, he never turns you away. He'll go... No longer a slave. In fact, welcome to a new family. You go sit down. So if anybody ever drops that curly question, well, what about the good people on the planet? Just help them to see that the issue is not good or bad. The issue is who do you belong to? And the other, cre- the other comment I got from that was this. That God's not a thief. And he won't take what doesn't belong to him and if you are still a slave to sin that's the problem when you get to the pearly gates say well I've been a good person I've helped people all my life I gave away my wealth generous kind soul and the Bible was pretty brutal Jesus himself said this away from me I don't know you he doesn't know you not because you're not good and you might not be good you might be really bad but because never actually connected with his son Jesus. So just to keep my little rope idea, I thought I'd pop that in. This, that's just a freebie for this morning. Serving. So why is it complicated? One of the things that I'd want to say about that is just as a bit of a prelude to where this message is going to finish up. Being in Europe for the last month, this particular trip, I became very, very aware of the fact that we are in Australia and right in this room, mostly white Anglo-Saxons, one way or another. We are very physically removed from our heritage and our past. And so when we, living in a beautiful democracy like we've got, with pretty much everything you could possibly ever want in life, freedom to move, freedom to do whatever, We're living in a season and and time and place in history that I would want to put to you is pretty A, unique and B, very unusual. Because most of the people who've gone before us have either been slaves, peasants, serfs, people who worked in farms but never owned a farm. People who only got provided with a roof over their head if they were lucky food on the table, and no right to own any property. Not allowed to own property. Property was owned by the rich people. The complexity in parts of Europe was the rich people were also the church people. And so the church um, in Budapest, is an example that's fresh in my mind, the bishop of Budapest, Budapest was also the king. And so the person who controlled all the money and all the land was also the bishop preaching the gospel. So people got a mixed bag of, I don't know how they reconciled that. But they weren't allowed to, I want to start a business. I think I might just start an online business. You can't do that. I think I might just open up a banana shop. You can't do that. I think I might start building something. No, you can't do that. Your job, Martin, is to go out there and dig dirt with your bare hands. From sunrise to sunset, come home. That's it. <laughs> Dave Dado, never allowed to start your business. No such thing as able self-storage 300 years ago. I'm not talking about thousands of years ago, 300 years ago. <laughs> Could, was that Cheryl's happy? <laughs> uh, you think about the choice that you've had in life go to school, get educated. Oh, I think I'll go to university. I think I'll become a school teacher. No, no you're a, you're a serf. All you do is work the ground. Feed the chooks. Kill the chooks, maybe. You might grow grapes. And then you've got to bring them to me, because I'm the king. And if I'm feeling good, I might give you a little bit, but if I'm not feeling good, you won't get anything. We're disconnected from that. And so we've got this very privileged, I use that word carefully, but we've got this very privileged position of coming into a kingdom, the kingdom of God, out of a context that's nothing like anything in history in the Western world, where the Western democracy has given right the rule of law. You've got rights in this country. You're allowed to actually buy property. You're actually allowed to sell property. You're allowed to pass on wealth to your kids at the moment. That's not always been the case because Though it was, you didn't have any wealth to give them. All you had was a shovel to give them, maybe. So this is how you dig a hole, son. That's it. What did you inherit from your dad? Shovel. We'd feel pretty ripped off. My whole point with that is when it comes to the likes of us inviting from the front of a platform like this in a church like ours, in a country like Australia, we bring the heart of optional service. It's discretionary time. It's my choice. It's my this, that, and the other. We've got no idea about what has been paid for with blood, sweat, and tears to get us to the point where we get to pick and choose what we do and don't do with serving. And so I want to say to you this morning, how's your headspace in this matter? If you were forced to serve as a kid, I'll give you an example. I was forced to eat lemon delicious pie by my mum. Does anyone like lemon delicious pie? You poor souls. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the first time I tasted it, it was like... But being the 1960s, back when parents were a little more... I don't know, it won't go there. Um, Back in the 1960s when I was a kid, it was like, well, I was forced to eat it. Guess what I do not eat now? Lemon delicious pie. Julie wouldn't bother making it. Well, she could for herself, but she's... (laughs) diabetic so she won't eat that anymore either but it's like um, my point is you might have been forced or coerced or manipulated to serve so when an idiot like me gets up here and invites you to serve I've got no idea what's going on in here with regards to your attitude towards it oh I love serving I hate serving I hate the word serving I hate the whole thing we're volunteering, we change the language to volunteer, does that help you? Oh no, I did that before and I got treated like dirt. We've got a history that's complicated, is this helping anybody? So when we encounter a church community like ours, I want to put it to you that however you've walked into the life of church, this church or any other church that you might have been involved with or come from, we encounter a reconnection. So the connection between us and our past in Europe, I think is very, very severed generationally for most of us in Australia. Um, to our view and expectation of serving others, because the kingdom's built on that. We serve one another. We lay down our lives for each other. So let me just keep going. So until we... Oops, no, that's... Yep, 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 here we go. Matthew 6. I think you've got that, Lockie, somewhere there. Jesus unpacks Matthew 6 in this, this lengthy sermon he preaches, starting from verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and and destroy and where thieves break into steel. Sometimes we're really busy filling up the coffers. Well, in this day and age, maybe you're just really busy trying to pay the bills and stop going under. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It seems like a completely random, disconnected thought from what he just talked about, <coughs> if he asked me. But there goes, then it goes back to this. Verse 24, so no one can serve two masters. Say no one. No one. There's no let out clause in that. Nobody with a university degree. Nobody with life experience. It's like no, nobody, nobody can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus is saying we'll serve one or the other. Further to that, Jesus is warning us to be aware of what we have our eye on in regards to serving. That's why he's talking about the eye and the light. It's like, what what is it that you see when you serve? Do you see the task? Do you see the outcome? Do you see the people? Do you see the team? If you're on team serving. It's like, if you've got your eye on the task, hmm, that can be... Depends what the task is. It can be a little bit not overly happy about that task, clean the toilets, or something else. But if I got my eye on the team, how much fun are we having? How much joy is it to be shoulder to shoulder with friends? It's like it can it can shift our view of what we're doing, and so serving and. Yeah, I don't think Jesus is only intending for this to be a question about God and or money. But let, let me just put it to you. So questions that you might ask yourself will help you to get some light on the issue here. If you sort of were to say, and this doesn't happen in our church, but am I going to get paid for this? Who will notice it if I'm doing the job well? What's in it for me? These things are all personal little highlighter pens for us to understand our mindset about serving will people like me more if I do serve Will I feel better about myself if I serve will this advance my ministry opportunities and finally this is this is not exhaustive you can think about the questions will God be happier with me maybe if I serve longer and work more God's going to be really happy with me no God already is really happy with you You can't do anything to improve his happiness quotient. He looks at you and sees Jesus and there's a big smile on his face. If you don't know Jesus, he hasn't got a big smile on his face for you just yet. Well, he has, but you can't see it. So the dilemma for us extends beyond the issue of God or money. When we are in Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. We just talked about that. But we're still gonna be challenged about who or what we serve. So we serve people. We serve ideas. We serve ideology. We serve hurts. You might be the person who actually lays your life down and serves unforgiveness. You might be a person who serves resentment. It's just your master. It's in charge of your life, still. And so the challenge for the opportunity, sort of aligning with some of the stuff that Emma talked about, um, one of the purposes of coming together as church is to help us to start to see serving through the lens of the kingdom of God as a place of giving life, as a place of giving opportunity, as a place of giving hope, a place to give restoration, a place to feel completely and utterly embraced and included. So as we journey through life together, we are called to build community. And the way it happens is serving together. Our music team is here week in, week out. They give hours and hours of their time, practicing, getting together. The result is a fabulous worship experience for us every week. There's no two ways about that. But they're not getting paid $100,000 a year each to do that. They're serving. Julie Sampson's just thinking, I wish. <laughs> I saw that look. <laughs> I, I not, that's not fair. No, still good. But it's the servant heart. And who benefits? Well they benefit because they get to hang out together and play music because they love doing it. That's one side of it. We benefit because they lead us really well. And together we just get this opportunity to get into his presence. That's what serving's about. Serving on the Chris Kindle mark, just as an example, might seem a little bit kind of like disconnected from that, but it's not. It's the same dynamic at work. But the dynamic of that is gonna be complicated by your history. And so my prayer this morning is that you lay down your servant-heartedness to God for a bit of an examination. Lord, look at, my, look at my motives. Look at my hurts. Look at my garbage. Look in the rubbish bin of my life. What am I hanging on to that's complicating this for me? Because it shouldn't be complicated. It ought to be like, I'm in. I'm good. I'm going to make space here. So moving on. Life by the Spirit. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. In other words, do what you like. But, or rather, serve one another humbly in love. There's Paul just telling us straight, that's how you do it. Serve one another. It's like, what can I do to help? Do you need help? Oh, I've noticed you've been looking a bit run down lately. It's like, anything I can do to help you? Those sorts of conversations can be something we can cultivate. And we cultivate that together. And connect groups. Are designed to be places where we learn to serve one another. Where we just, the, the collegiate moments where we're sitting together, we're laughing together, we're praying together, we're crying together, those things build community. So I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Let me just say that again. Paul is writing this to a church in a world that we don't live in. And he's saying, Bruce, you are not to do what you want. Hang on a minute. I'm an Australian. And I'm a male. white privileged? That's just an aside being naughty. I always do what I want. What goes on in here for you with that little conversation? Do you like people telling you what to do? I don't. But I let unforgiveness tell me what to do, Oftentimes, I let fear of rejection tell me what to do. I let all sorts of things get a hold of me and say, hey, you're not doing that, buddy. I'm just wondering where you're at this morning. Because I've got good news. Jesus is in the business setting slaves free. He breaks the power. His blood has broken the power of sin and death. Galatians 5 says, we are, For freedom you've been set free. Don't let yourself be uh, yoked again with, this, with the yoke of slavery. In other words, implying, or com- kind of in- implying, that you can go back to that. Not return to being unsaved, but you can... Come back to place of being enslaved. And that could be in this arena. So I say to you, walk by the Spirit. Already read that? Okay. You should have said, Bruce, you've already said that. Get on with it. So since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. So summarizing. Got a few more things here, but time's run out. Well and truly. I want to say this, number one, we are hardwired to serve. We just got, we're hardwired to serve. I guarantee everyone in this room is serving somebody or something. That's not bad, it's just that we've got to be mindful of what that is. And if it is not helping us, for goodness sake, bring it to Jesus and say, I need help, I don't want to serve that thing anymore. When we are no, number two, when we're no longer a slave to sin, we find ourselves free to serve others being led by the Spirit. So let me just back up. If Jesse was still my slave, and Jordan decided, hey Jesse, you want to come play football? He's not able to, because I said, No, you're not going there, mate. Or you want to go, you know, you want to go hiking. Or maybe somebody else has a conversation. Says, Oh, would you like to come over for dinner today? And because uh, you're a slave no you're not going anywhere you're going home to clean the toilets you're going home to dig up weeds you're going home to do this well actually you're going to my home because you don't have a home you're my slave remember options are limited for a slave but when we're no longer a slave to sin you've got options you can choose I'd love to you know when we get off asked to do something and we say no I often go but okay that's your that's your choice But what happened if I said yes? What's going to happen if I said yes to serving? Or to doing? Or to being? Or whatever? Paul, sorry, uh, and, uh, no, Peter, beg your pardon, in 1 Peter 4. Let me read that for you. Each of you, verse 10, should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Um. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. So if anyone serves, say anyone. There's a the word again, anyone. So everybody in this room, if anyone serves, right? They should do so with the strength God provides. Oh, there's a key. So I'm not doing this on my own strength. Serving is gonna suck the life out of you if you commit to it. It's gonna be tiring. Guess what you need. God, will we find God? in community and so serving is a self-fulfilling it's almost like perpetual motion get into a community like this start to serve get tied out but i come back to the community i'm part of the community and god in his goodness fills us as we go so then, all things god may be praised through jesus christ our serving is not about glory for us it's about glory for him so serving others is our third point requires knowledge of god's gifts in us and understanding his use is one way his grace is imparted. That's also that thing. That's amazing. His grace for Michael Cooper can be released through you serving alongside him, with him, or just offering to help him. That's how God's grace is dispensed to him. You're a dispenser of God's grace when you say yes. When we serve people with a smile at the front gate of the Chris Kimmel mart Say so Welcome. Dressed up in a dinner and a you know, leather hose, and you go, "What the heck are we doing that for?" Well, we're doing it because we want people to feel something special for Christmas. It's like there's all sorts of things you can say about that. And finally, serving others will require God's strength found in the community. So don't try and do this by yourself. Don't go and get involved in the local service club and just, "I'm going to go and cook sausages in front of Bunnings every week, raising money for." sheltered dogs or whatever else. You can do that and wear yourself out. Serve in a community. Why don't we stand to our feet? I hope something I have said this morning has helped you think. And all my prayer is you go home today and into this week and let God, by his spirit, talk to you about serving and what serving looks like and what it elicits in you. Does it cause a little bubble up of resentment or confusion or difficulty? If it does, own it. Say, Jesus, I'm a little bit beat up in this arena. Or, I got this. I'm loving it. I love serving. Thank you, Jesus, for the privilege I get to serve. It's like, why don't you just close your eyes where you stand? Why don't you think of a situation? A recent situation where you know you stepped out to help somebody with no expectation of reward or payment or you just did it because you care I want you to become mindful of how that felt and realize that that feeling is not for you alone we're actually meant to learn how to share that so when we come together the the good vibes that can accompany uncomplex serving can get on all of us, and we can find ourselves just being just being glad to be in the building together. It's like, wow, it's good. I'm so glad to be home from Europe. I love Europe and visiting Europe and hanging out with our friends there. But I've got to tell you, I love being here this morning. I love being in this atmosphere the presence of God is unique to this this meeting, it's unique because of your presence here if there were other people here who were not this morning for one reason or another it would be a different vibe again but I'm grateful for it so I pray Lord that we would cast our mind into positive moments of serving to help spur each other on to spur us on into an ongoing sense of absolute victory in this arena of our lives. And as we do serve each other, we serve our community, we we just serve you, that we would find our hearts being warmed, our bodies being healed, our mind and our complexities being unravelled. I pray for good mental health. Lord, as we cast our eyes on and turn our attention to other people, Depression and anxiety can lift off us. Maybe it's not as simple as that, and it sometimes isn't, but sometimes the key is just what you're looking at, who you're focused on, what you're thinking about. And so, Jesus, we pray that we think about you and reminded daily that we're grateful that you untied the knots. If you've never invited Jesus to untie those knots in your life, if you're listening online, here in the auditorium this morning I'd love you to make that decision this morning so that's me I actually, I've actually actually understood what you've said Pastor Bruce and I understand I'm still a slave I don't want to be a slave anymore that would be a really good day and so say that's me I want to be set free to serve you for the rest of my life Lord if you're listening online this morning and this line of thinking has helped you to make a decision please look down on the website our website c3ah.org.au click on a link that says i've prayed a prayer of salvation we'll connect with you during the week it'd be great to hear from you if you're in the auditorium and it's made sense to you and you want to give your life to jesus this morning for the first time or well maybe you realize you've gotten tied up again you're not as free as he wants you to be You can give me a little wave and say, hey, that's me, Pastor Bruce. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front. I'm just going to pray with you before we close. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, be with us as we head out into the week. We pray, Lord, for our church to be filled in the days ahead. Lord, every empty seat would have somebody in it. Lord, we pray for our 60, 30-year-olds to enter into our church's life. God, we continue to cry out to you. Fill our house, Lord, with people. Help us, Lord, to understand the power of serving in accomplishing that end. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. We're going to close with a song. Anything you need prayer for this morning, as you always know, front of our church is open for business, for prayer.